0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. That's the name of the Lord, everybody. Happy new, Happy new Year. Oh, come on, y'all. Y'all can do better than that. Happy New Year. How many of you glad God gave you a new year to celebrate him, to live for him? Amen. Amen. What an awesome privilege it is um, to have another year to represent um, the mighty and awesome God who was and is and is to come. We get a um, reasonable service of worship is to give our bodies a living sacrifice, and that's an everyday occurrence that we're asking God to help us to walk in gospel faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. Faithful. How many of you want to be faithful? Amen. Faithful, 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 and so we want to honor the Lord and be faithful to him and honor him by his strength because he's the means by which we are faithful because he sets the, he sets the standard of faithfulness. Um, I don't know what was faithless to you last year, but I'm so glad that there's only one who's been consistent in our lives with his commitment to us. How many of you know that God is ferociously after you? Yes. Yes, he has a barrage of ways of getting your attention, and um, I pray that this year, unlike any other, he will have our attention. Well, many of you know that this week is solemn assembly. Somebody say solemn assembly. How many of you have ever participated in a solemn assembly with us before hand up real high Hand up. hold it up real high so I can see you. Amen. So about a little over half of you. So or two thirds. Well, solemn assembly, we get out of Joel three. And what we do is we take a time to pause and seek the Lord. Somebody say, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. David said, um, you told me to seek your face and I, your face. I shall seek in Psalm uh, 27. And so when we look at. Um, this time we go back also to Jesus's passage where he talks about only some t- things in life come by fasting and prayer. Meaning that there's some things that you can't just work your way out of. I know, you, I know we in the grind culture and I heard one, one person talking about, you know, uh, we need to stop praying and start acting. Well, I understand what they mean by that. Uh, the challenge is, is that actions without prayer is self-dependence. And so, but actions with prayer is is, is the work by which God actually gets stuff done. God gets stuff done by us acknowledging our need for him. And so when we look at the idea of fasting, people look at fasting as a lost art, but it's one of the spiritual disciplines. Somebody say disciplines. When you are a Christian, contrary to popular belief, um, your salvation is by grace through faith alone, through uh, grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, and he distributes disciplines to us these disciplines i talk about it in my um my book unleash but one of the things that god does is he utilizes them as mechanisms for us to draw near to him they don't they they in in and of themselves don't make us like him but they're the they're the meeting ground for him to make us like him so if you don't pray he can't make you like him he won't do it because you're not acting as a participant in moving towards him to do only what he can do if you're not in the book ever you can't expect to know his mind and be transformed by the renewing power of the word of God. And so these disciplines, or suffering well, how many, I, I wish I had time, but suffering well is one of the ways that God draws you near to him and grows you, whether you like it or not. So we're taking fasting and prayer this week as a way to really draw near to God. Now fasting, fasting is giving up a legitimate need of the body for a, a greater need of the spirit. Legitimate need. Somebody say legitimate need. Legitimate. That, 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 now that means that you can't say, well, I'm gonna stop sinning just this week during the fast, I'm gonna stop wilding out during the fast because, no, 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 no. Fasting is giving up legitimate needs of the body for a greater need of the soul. And so during this week, we're spending time, uh, tomorrow you'll be alone in your homes or with your families or uh, however you want to set it up tomorrow where you're seeking the Lord. Tuesday, you're in community clusters with small groups. Wednesday, we're here at the church. Thursday, we're here with the leaders. Those who are leaders should be here on Thursday. We'll have a time for prayer and fasting for our leaders. On Wednesday, we'll have time of praise, worship, testimony, uh, and prayer with one another and about corporate needs as well as personal needs. Within the church, then Friday, we'll break it up in our community clusters back to our small groups, but we'll break the fast after, uh, technically after 3 3 p.m., but but, um, 7 p.m. probably is when you guys will get together more than likely uh, for stragglers, 9 o'clock. You know how some people do. They just get there when they want to. And so, um, uh, but but we'll break the fast together and have a great time at doing that. Um, we'll be getting we'll be giving you out a sheet to kind of give you guidelines and instructions. If you high techie, you can go to the website already. But for my piece of paper people, we got a piece of paper waiting for you when um, you leave so that you can kind of have guidelines, scriptures, and knowing that we're focusing in on John 15, uh, 5, um, because we want to recognize that apart from Him we can do nothing, and so that's what we want to zoom lens on. We want to talk about real change. Somebody say real change. Real change. How, how, how many of you know? Um, um, I heard I heard somebody um, uh, 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 talking about how 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 hip hop no longer is real anymore because people put on false personas. Well. Whatever you want to believe about that is fine, but we're trying to have some real change in our souls so that we're not out there like an artist who acts like they have stuff, but really it belongs to Jacob the jeweler. We wanna be people, somebody don't even know what I'm talking about. We 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 don't wanna go on a music video and bling it all up, acting like we got something, then after the video over, we gotta hand the Bentleys and everything over. What what, 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 what some of, anyway, um uh, some of y'all just like, really? Really? Yep, really. And so what we wanna do is we wanna have real soul change. It's not based on holding a Bible in our hand and looking spiritual. We wanna be spiritual. We wanna be new. We wanna be truthful. We wanna be loving. We wanna be patient. We wanna be committed. That's what we wanna be. And so and so and so that's that's what we wanna do. Well, today is Vision Sunday. We wanna start doing that at the top of the year. Stand to your feet. We're gonna dive smack dab in. Stand to your feet. Today is Vision Sunday, where we Look at where we were and look at what's going on and look at what we're asking the living God to do. Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. If you read with 4, uh, read uh Zechariah four, ten on three. One, two, three, go. The whole earth. Yeah. amen 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 um today we want to talk about real briefly don't sleep on the small things don't sleep on the small things let's go before god father we thank you and we honor you for the opportunity to be a great big god who uses small people and god you say that you want us to have our eyes and lives focused on you so we want to be centered as a church and want to have our commitment changed and formed and developed by you. So God today, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we all trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, everybody agree, that's it? Amen. Amen, you may be seated, you may be seated. One of the things that I've learned and am learning is that you have to be honest with yourself. Um, I, I, now, now, that sounds easy, but many times in life it's very difficult to be honest with yourself. Because being honest with yourself is you taking off the honeymoon picture of who you think you are. You have to face what you post, but what you don't post. And, and one of the things that I wrestle with at times is envy. Everybody got quiet right there. Envy is the sin of thinking that God and what he's given you isn't enough. Envy is really biblical code word for hater. I have to admit that sometimes I can be a hater. Now, I know y'all won't join me in this, uh, this time of reflection and help to deal with our issues, but, but, but there's some haters out there too. And when I say hater, I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the flagrant ideology of hater that we use in culture. But when I use the idea, I, sometimes in life, I don't like seeing other people get what I was believing God for before I get it. Maybe I'm alone. Um, and sometimes I don't verbally say how I feel. But my heart has a tinge of hateradeism burnology in it. And I have to work through what is it in my life that makes me not celebrate with someone else sometimes. Now, every now and then I'll do a good job at it. And there are some times where I really don't know why, but I really don't like that somebody is having something that I believe I should have or experiencing something that I should have. So in my heart, I'll either make a corrective comment of why it's not as good as it could have been if it was in my hands instead of their hands. Now, I know there's nobody in here deal with that type of stuff, but, you know, um, just some, that's, that's called envy. But envy is a sign of a lack of contentment. Contentment is being satisfied with God and what He's already given you. Somebody need to write that down. Contentment means to be satisfied with God and what He's already given you. Paul says, "I've learned a secret." He said, "There's this secret ideology in discipleship where I've." He said, "I didn't wasn't always like this." Paul even admits, "I wasn't always like this," but he said, "I learned the secret." of being able to have stuff and not have stuff, and to be okay with God when stuff isn't like I want it to be. Oh, help me. See, envy likes to announce to God in your heart that you're frustrated with him even though you won't theologically say that with your mouth. Contentment is the commitment to say, God, I don't have everything I think I should have, but I thank you for what I already have. And when you realize that but not only just what I have but I have you and and when you're content having God matters and when you're content having Jesus matters because he's not some transcendent esoteric abstract ideology that's out there somewhere no he lives in you he resides in you if you know him and he has practical and concrete impact on every single area of your life which brings us to our passage today because as you look at the scripture that we read today when it talks about this idea of despising small things. God had to challenge his people with despising the small things that he's put in their sphere. The question is why? Well, God had to send, based on Zechariah and based on the book of Haggai They're what we call post-exilic prophets. And the exilic or exile, it's it's a two cent theological word for exile, or being kicked out of your native city. They were kicked out of the promised land because of their idolatry and sinfulness. And because the people of God were kicked out of The promised land, Judah, if you will, for their idolatry and sinfulness and God through Jeremiah prophesied them into exile uh, and, and based on Joel, possibly prophesied them into exile, meaning that I'm giving you a break from representing me in the place where I've called you. And I'm going to give you a physical belt and a time out to give you some time to think about and work through where I want you to be in life. And so as God began to do that, this time was over, and they began, the, t- the time ended, and they went through Babylonian captivity, and they went through this Judah, that is, went through Babylonian captivity, and they went through Persian captivity. Once that captivity over, was over, Darius, <coughs> Darius, a pluralistic emperor, who believes he was? He was more of those believe what you want to believe, guys. God used that on his heart to release the people of God to be able to freely uh, go back to Israel and begin to rebuild everything that was destroyed through their discipline. And as the people of God got back, they began to take care of themselves first, not the kingdom. So in chapter one of Haggai, God said, "Consider your ways." So you just gonna you just gonna build you an MTV crib. Without there being any set up for my worship. And so what they began to do is they began to work on the temple. And what began to happen based on Haggai chapter 2 verse 3. Is he says who among you remembers the temple in its former glory. Because they had looked at the current temple. In its foundation before it was even built. Thought back to the old heads in particular. Thought back to when they was young bucks. And how the temple used to look. Because the Salmonic temple was a fly temple. You know what I'm saying? It had pomegranates dipped in gold, you know. It was a bling bling. When you get a chance, ring the type of bling that God had up in that temple. The Salmonic Temple was a a, a beast, but really it wasn't the gold that made it valuable. What made it valuable was the presence of God. Because the Bible says in Chronicles that the Shekinah glory of God dropped on that temple in such a way where the priests couldn't stand to minister. In other words, God got to the point, he said, stop serving me and start worshiping me. And so as that began to happen, the people of God who came and were building the temple, rebuilding the temple, looked at this temple based on Ezra chapter, around the fourth chapter, verses 14 through 16. And what began to happen is they began to despise the small foundation in other words they could not see at all God blessing and bringing glory on something so small in other words if God's going to work in their mind he has to do something big but I got one point one point for you only small things are bigger than you can ever imagine small things are bigger than you can ever imagine God's people began to look down and get discontent with what God had made available to them. But many times as believers, we don't recognize that God actually specializes in bringing more out of less. You missed the shouting moment. In other words, God loves it when he can give you in the natural what's perceivably nothing and out of that nothing bring the massivity of his perfections and his glory and his work out of something so small because if God lets you and let your grind be the thing that makes the big thing happen you'll get glory for it. But when God gives you less than you think you should have and yet get more glory out of it, if you would have done it on your own, then he gets the honor, he gets the glory, and he gets the praise. Y'all not hearing me yet, so I may have to give you some type of biblical illustration. Um, Jesus had 5,000 plus people, eight to 10,000 people. They was out in the wilderness. No corner stores open. No second and save. No save a lot. Nothing. No vending machines and um jesus said go get everybody something to eat the apostle's like how in the world he said even if we get the grub to get things together how are we going to serve five thousand people and jesus loves it when you feel limited in what he's asked you to do (laughs) and so somebody came with two fishes and five loaves he said we got this but there's nothing we can do with it but But the issue is, when you get the small thing out of your hands, and you put them in God's hands, the distribution and expanse of what can be done with it is more in his hands than in your hands. The problem with many of us is the thing is only small because it's in our hands. In order to make the small thing big, you gotta get it out of your hands and get it into his hands. As a matter of fact, I'm just letting you know that that's the way that God wants to work continuously through our church. I have dreamed that we'd be more massive, right? And one of the things that that, that God has strengthened me in is the quality of who he has in this room. He has uh, the quality of beast mode men and women up in this room that can get a whole bunch of stuff done. And I'm excited in this season to look small. Okay, I'm by myself. I'm preaching myself. This is the first one of the year. I'm, I'm excited to look small because the smaller I look, the bigger God is seen by other people. Don't ever despise, some of you, this for free, some of you are dreaming about things that you want to see done. And you don't think it can get done until you get more so you feel paralyzed and stagnant. But God is already showing you that what you have is enough to do what I've already called you to do. See, many of you are trying to accumulate a whole bunch of other things to think that you can accomplish God's goals by getting more. I'm not saying don't get an education. Somebody say, oh, I'm quitting school now. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm getting out of here. I'm not saving them. No, 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 That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is many of you have, have not been able to walk by faith because your sight's too big on the earth. And so so one of the things that you have to learn and you and I have to learn is that God loves to get glory out of small stuff. Gideon had thousands of cats to go fight. But the the size was really an insecurity issue. So what God has to do, God said, I can't use all them people. God said, I can't use all them people. He says, he dwindled the joint down to 300 people. He said, now y'all ready to be used. Hold on. Now God, I had more people, this is more hands to fight. But he says, nah, that's too many hands. And as a matter of fact, none of them lifted their hands to fight because the people ended up killing themselves. And God had a way of working things out beyond his ability to work things out, why? Because he loves to do small things, big things, do small things. And that's why we're here on 17th of Diamond. I can't tell you how many times people rag on us being on 17th of Diamond. I said, go ahead and hate on us. That's all right. But we're believing that God will use us as such a conduit that what this building looks like, what this building's glory look like, more will come out of this than we could ever imagine. And I can testify to you right now that we've seen him work. We've seen him transform lives. We've seen him save things. Oh, but 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 if you despise the small things, you don't get to see the glorious big things that God wants to bring through it. So this Vision Sunday, what, 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 what do we want to work through here today? We want to look back at, first off, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now look, yeah. Jesus was willing to have a small earthly ministry. Now let's stop there. Jesus had multitudes but really only had 120 committed. At certain points in his ministry, he only had 11 committed. He already knew one was going to betray him, but he kept them around. Weird. See, if I had a dude I knew he was going to betray me and God told me already, was, I'd be like, cacao, get him out. You know what I'm saying? Get him out. All right, Um, but Jesus Christ knew that the realm of betrayal was a part of his ministry. Help me today. And he said he's willing to have a small earthly ministry that was filled with rejection, betrayal, loneliness, misunderstanding, disrespect. See, Jesus let people talk to him in a way I don't know many of us would. If I created you and you talking crazy to me, shoot. I'd have pulled off one of my eyelashes and threw it at you like a bullet, and it'll just blew you up. There's some, there's some omniscient type stuff. You know what I'm saying? Omnipotent type stuff. You know what I'm saying? He's patient in a mug, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, he's God in the flesh, right? That's why he got the power we don't. Knowing it was, it was but the seed that would grow and change the universe. And so when we look at Christ, he's not asking us, To live in light of something that's not a part of what we're supposed to be and do, he calls us to that reality. So what does that look like in our ministry as we look at We start with personal life. Somebody say personal life. John 15 is the Saquon now, Pastor. You don't have to turn there because this is vision time. We're going to walk through some stuff. But just giving you what we have a vision for on every single level, we want to look at personal life. We want to look at church life, and we want to look at kingdom life. Somebody say personal life. Somebody say church life. Somebody say kingdom life. All of those are areas that God wants to work in your life to expand you. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? And so what we want to do is we want to get all of these things, have vision for every sector of our ministry life. And as we do this and as we work through this and as we live in light of this vision, it's going to be beast mode. And so uh, first off, we look at soul growth. Somebody say soul growth. In other words, we can't just have a a, a commitment to church planting and foreign missions if we don't have a soul growth commitment. (laughs) Because we can do all of the justice and all of the this and the that and be just as spiritually anemic and trifling as we can be. And so what we want to be is we want to be real Christians. Somebody say real Christians. Real Christians don't mean perfect. It just means honest. What made David a man after God's own heart, what made David is that he was willing to repent. See, it never meant perfect, because he was never perfect. I mean, he was a scheming joker. You understand what I'm saying? He loved the Lord and all that, but he ran to God when God challenged him. That's what we want to be. See, you're not going to grow until you are willing to run to God when he challenged you. That's why the Bible says, receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. Sozo there, or the Greek word there for save, is pointing to God growing your souls through the word. I want to see a beast mode community of people that are love and are, are, are diving into the beauty and glory of God's word. Not only that, <clears throat> economics. Somebody say economics. And somebody say, here we go. No, nah, yeah, here we go. Because you know why? Because <clears throat> the Bible says, know well your flocks and herds. In other words, many of us don't know our economic wherewithal in the household. <clears throat> no, amen. So what, what's, what's, what's interesting is that one of the challenges that we need to visionarily work through Uh, And I'm not even talking about giving yet. I'm just talking about you. Do you have a good bird's eye view on everything in your sphere that God has put in your hands? or Are you comprehensively frivolous? Because this is going to connect to the reality of that. Because soul growth and economics are deeply connected. We'll talk about that in a minute. Not only that, we want to have vision. Somebody say vision. Vision. We want to talk about this when we get in the family series. That's our next series that we start next week. (coughs) Singles, you will not be left out, so don't 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 get you you, you're gonna be good in there. You you family too. Amen. Amen. Family is not just about husband and wife. Okay. Family is everybody cousins, aunts, uncles, play aunties, play cousins. You know we got all that, right? Right? Vision Bible says people without vision are unrestrained. In other words, they in other words, we most of us are directionally challenged. So what the Bible does is the Bible takes away our directional challenges by helping us to align with God. So that, 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 that's what we want to have, vision. Not only that, we want to also have stratagem. I like that. That's the plural for strategy. I learned that. Eng- English people here help me out every now and then, stratagem. And, 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 and what, what does that point to? That points to you can't have vision without knowing what to do with it. And so one of the things we wanna emphasize and working on, continue to work on, is our ability to, to work through, not just saying we wanna do something, but what are we doing to have in place to actually execute what we said we visualize getting done. That's very important and that's biblical. That's why Jesus said you gotta count the cost before you build a tower. Said so nobody just does stuff. You count what it's gonna cost and what it's gonna take in both emotional distress Time, commitment, and financial depth. And so you have to be able to do all of those. Somebody say all of those. Yeah, And so we go from there from strategy to family life. We're gonna get into this when we get into family series. We're gonna start off uh, in Genesis, we're gonna make our way to Psalm 127 and 128. I'm gonna have some fun in this. But when we talk about family vision, we want families to have vision. Singles within families and families led by husbands to have vision. Amen. Amen. I don't know what happened, but I'm enjoying the feedback. Amen. We want vision. Ain't nothing worse than a man without direction. But we believe in God that you can have it. Somebody say you can have it. Uh Uh-huh. Singleness, seeing yourself rightly. We're going to get into this, too, because we're going to talk about the fact that in 1 Corinthians 7, 17, the Bible says singleness is a calling. And, and that it deserves weight in being focused on. And so one of the things I want to see is single people having vision outside of marriage. Yeah. It's nothing wrong with having a vision to be married, but, you ha- but your life doesn't start when you get married, it's already happening. And so the question is, the question is, I want to, I understand that there are challenges within Christianity with singles. I want to see less complaining and more satisfaction, commitment, and plowing. Amen. We're going to let you vent, but we're going to also get beyond the venting and go to work. Amen. Amen. Marriage. We want to be able to more effectively support marriages particularly in the first few years here. We do good at premarital. We want to expand that. So Pastor Kurt's going to be helping us <clears throat> through that reality. Not only that, but um, p- parenting. Um, and this involves single parents as well. <coughs> and, um, but, but, but it also in- involves this idea of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Again, um, the central place of discipleship, we know we have broken homes in different Uh, exceptions to the rule as it it comes to households. But Deuteronomy talks about the fact that the home is the primary place of discipleship, not Epiphany Kids. Epiphany Kids is the calamari and and the hot wings. Calamari, hot wings, kale salad. That's called appetizers. You understand what I'm saying? Southwest egg roll ministry, right? <laughs> Crab wontons and all of that. But the steak and the asparagus is the home. So what we wanna, so, so, so we gotta remember that. I, I gotta remember that for later, that was good. I gotta remember that. <laughs> and so parenting, parenting, parenting. But not only that, we wanna talk about church life. Somebody say, <clears throat> church life. And so what we want to do is, as we begin to think through this, and we're still laying this out, and I'll give you some more practical things in a second, but when we look at church life, church life is very powerful because Jesus gave keys to the church. Um, these keys are ability to bind and loose stuff. Now, I'm not talking about the spooky blowing on somebody and then falling on the floor and all of that madness. Like, if you come from that, I'm sorry. It's madness. This is madness. Nowhere in the Bible you see anybody blowing on a body and then falling on the floor. Amen. However, you get up and you're not changed. What was that for? So when you look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, look at what it says. It says this. It says, <laughs> Jesus talked about upon this rock I shall build my church. That building something means inferentially stable. In other words, God created the church through the death of Christ to make a stable community of believers. In becoming a stable community of believers, that means that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That means that you have the ability to be stable. There's a lot of people after the church right now. So when you look at this, we want stable disciples. Stable disciples. Stable disciples who want to know the truth. There's no, the, God, the expectation on every person under the sound of my voice that's blood-bought is expectation for spiritual maturity and commitment to Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. That is, n- that's, a, that's a substandard uh, adverbial clause that has nothing to do with the reality by a blood-bought life that has expectations for each one of us to put on the doggone new man and woman to walk with Jesus that means you have to stop waiting for somebody to come get you help me today so we talk about discipleship we talk about this whole idea (coughs) where the Bible says um it says the gates of hell won't prevail against it why because it's moving forward The assumption is that we are a part of a kingdom movement, which every woman and man is committed to biblical theology. You're committed to understanding God. You're committed to understanding the Trinity. You're committed to understanding spiritual formation. And so that you are able to not only be in the faith, but to defend and explain your faith. And then not only do that, but give that to somebody else. That's why Jesus said, count the cost of being my disciple. He said, because I'm not, I'm not creating bench warmers. Yeah, Every person that knows Jesus is a court minister. Yeah, right. So we look at that, we see that reality of discipleship, but not only that, outreach and missions, and when we look at this, it goes back to a verse that we use often. It says, teach our people to learn to meet pressing needs in order that we may not be found unfruitful. Platel. So that means now we're not just ingrown and what we're called to do to minister to one another, okay? Now we're going to the fact that now it's time for outreach and missions. So what is all this going to look like, kingdom life? (laughs) Spreading God's comprehensive rule over all creation. Bible says in Matthew 1.15 that Jesus Christ did something in particular. I love it. He preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. (laughs) I like that because he says, change the way you think about things and embrace mine." The biggest obstacle to, to our kingdom growth is human thinking versus divine thinking. And so that's what we need to grow in. So we wanna, we, we wanna um, uh, th- through the church, of course, we, we're gonna look at that, scattered church. So <laughs> the church gathered, rather, and the church scattered. What's interesting is the church gathers together to be a gas pump for one another, to refuel us. But the church has to scatter we can't just say, what do you have for me? Uh, In other words, the Jerusalem church from Acts chapter one to chapter seven asked, what you got for me? And guess what God did in verse chapter eight, verse one. He gave them some difficulties and some trials to scatter them because he said, you're supposed to go from Jerusalem, Judea to Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. But guess what? They wanted to stay in Jerusalem. And so God threw a bomb into Jerusalem spiritually to get them jokers up out of Jerusalem, to scatter them into places of mission. Don't let God have to shake up your life to make you get out of yourself. You should already be committed to being out of yourself. And so that's what we wanna be able to do. We wanna be a church that, this, this, and this is the great tension, of, based on Revelation, 7, I mean, Revelation chapter two, verse one through seven. Y'all still trekking with me, right? This is very important. We have to balance the tension of first love and outreach. Because the tendency is to be hard at outreach to make you think because of what you're doing you're close to God. And Jesus said you've lost your first love, call them back. Uh, Repent, relate, repeat, right? And so what we want to do is we want to live in that constant cycle. So we got a lot to be thankful for though. When we look back at 2017, before we get into just a few things that we want to do this year, keeping it simple, and watching God work through the small things, I want to show you, with this non-mega church, that God did mega impact. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. It blows my mind at what he has done. Yes. When we look at this, we're going to see. So we see here, we raised over $60,000 to serve 3,000 people in our neighborhood. When we look at this, we gave out food, we was having fish. People was happy, y'all giving out fish? This must have been expensive, some people said. We said, don't even worry about that, just eat. Go, Get your ticket and eat and enjoy. We did haircuts, not just haircuts, we did natural hair and weaves, we was balling amen we gave out clothing there was some nice stuff out there too um, crisis pregnancy resources jobs through on-site resume development and interviews gave away bibles youth activities three-on-three basketball tournament health assistance and local business exposure um we had the can i pray or not?" Nah shirts i like them we're gonna get them back we we, we missed out on a branding opportunity with the shirts you know, you're going to, people say, where can we get them from? We're going to make sure we take care of you next time. Then we had the the three-on-three tournament. These are the winners of the tournament. Philly in the mug. Look at them. Philly <laughs> in the mug. Look how they're looking. They ain't, they ain't smiling. They're just looking at you. <laughs> That's Philly for you, man. You go on any block around here, they don't know you. That's how they're going to look at you, just like that. Right? I love it. <clears throat> I love it. <clears throat> I love it. This looks so professional. Look at that. I like that. Look at y'all working, (laughs) multi-ethnic grown folks. I love it. Look at that, look at that, look at that. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We had a college tour last year too. We had a college tour. (laughs) Amen. And several of the kids, based on what Pastor Kurt was letting us know is, um, weren't even thinking about college. Wasn't even an option for them, but through the college tour, it has become a major option for them. So we praise the Lord for... Big things coming out of small things. <clears throat> we had the Resolve Youth Conference. Look at them up in there. Look it up in there. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> Not only that, we uh, saw the teacher appreciation of Woke Church Think Tank. Went to work on that, thanking uh, Dr. Gill for her work with helping us get out there and work with uh, Duckery and uh, Kelly and Strawberry Mansion High. One teacher was in tears by the level of care the church had for her and giving her resources to help her be a more effective educator. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. And not only that, we, we, I didn't even know this happened. They had a, I just, stuff just happening, you know what I'm saying? Y'all just doing stuff, but it's great. Look at this paint and slush design team. I love this. I love this, kids. Got a chance to do some art. They ate pizza, ain't invite me though. Water ice, they had a great time. Arts and participants took home painting and personally designed gift bag with them and that was another way to enjoy, restore dignity and to affirm arts in our neighborhood. Ain't that great? Amen, amen. You should clap, you should. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Other, other outreach, other beautiful outreach highlights. This is just last year, right? Other outreach highlights. We donated over $16,000 to the Hurricane Relief in Houston, Texas. Y'all were just giving away money last year, amen. Collected hundreds of pounds uh, 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 of clothes. It was some nice clothes in there too, nice clothes. Um, usually people throw their scraps, y'all, was, y'all got it in. Then, um, we partnered with Urban Youth Workers and did a, a, did a manhood camp last year. Amazing, 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 amazing. They wanted to have the event here. Went really, really well with youth from around the city. Um, we also, even though we're not planting churches from our church right now, um, <coughs> one of our daughter churches uh, helped, uh, work on planting three churches last year. Uh, Wilmington, Delaware we got, Baltimore, Maryland, and Gloucester City, New Jersey, and they will be launching this year. Amen, and we're gonna be financially investing in them. We've already budgeted for it, we're gonna have some of them come through and preach, it's gonna be great. <clears throat> Lost the City's new for us, because that's, that's our first all-white church. You know you know the gospel's working when a, mo- a, mo- a mostly black church plants a white church. That means racial reconciliation is happening. Y'all ain't gonna talk back to me. The devil is a liar. So they, they can't call us reverse racist and all of that. Whenever you got black people plant white people, you know the gospel's at work. Because usually white people plant black people. Oh, y'all going to look at me funny. Now y'all got to know Gloucester City is, is-, is Bridesburg North. Um, he leading skinheads to Jesus Christ in the bar. See so all some of y'all are like, uh-oh, yeah. And they're coming to Jesus and growing and developing and people on the fringe are meeting and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're so excited about everything that's happening in all of our church plants. But very, very important, you gotta understand that we started off as a church receiving support from the outside. This is very important stuff for you. So to be able to give stuff away is amazing, and guess what, in all of our, this is not even all of everything that we did. We were able to bring in, as our core budget, a million dollars for the first time last year. Oh, y'all not gonna talk back. Now see, it's no way in the world we should be having it like this. That's how you know this whole situation is a God thing. Now you can stand right there and act like God ain't being good. I am excited at this reality. Now, what I need you to do, I need you to do at some point, is I need you to hit up, <clears throat> I'm gonna give you a copy of this presentation, this part and the next part that I'm going to and give it to the hoteps. I want you to call Umar Johnson and them up. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. He going on blasting what the church ain't doing. When I look back at all this, it's some stuff going on and you're on 18th Street and we're around the corner from your crib, dog. I already told them, come on, pull up. I can talk to you about what the church's doing. We can have a nice little talk about it because ain't nobody scared. You understand know what I'm saying? And so, um, so we'd love to talk to you about the haterations that you're putting on the church even though we're walking distance from your crib and have been actually doing ministry in the neighborhood that you're talking about nothing gets happening and we're right up the street from you. God bless you, take care, send you the email later. Y'all can be mad at me. Listen, I've been reading the Church Fathers, so they've been freeing me up. Justin Martyr and Tertullian, they were calling cats out. Y'all need to read some Church Fathers. They were some beasts. Them African, North African Church Fathers had Tourette Syndrome. They was going off. <laughs> they was going off, right? Look at what it said. The vision for Epiphany Fellowship. So here we go. This year, a few things. Thriving One, educate thousands of people through our Thriving Conference, a thousand at minimum. Malawi, we're going this year, and we're gonna encourage the 14 churches we planted. So we're gonna go over there. We're taking a team in July. It's gonna be great. I cannot wait. Um, we're also, um, the Diamond Festival, we're gonna do it again, because the neighborhood asked, could we do it again? Amen. Let me hear a few more claps. I got, I got, let me hear a few more claps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you know what I'm about to say, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We gotta get that bread going, amen, amen. Amen, to get it going, we're gonna have a great time. Church plants, and we're strengthening existing churches. Right now, um, we have this one pictured. This church right here is at two services. They need to go to three, and they need a new facility up in Brooklyn, so we're so proud of what God is doing through them there. I'm in Brooklyn. Um, that are praying, sir, so we're gonna help one local school with a systemic need, one school. So one of those systemic needs if it remains in their perceived systemic need for us This is a mock plan so they may say no we need something else that's more systemic when I say systemic Something that's not just an event but gives them long-term Self-sustaining effects for what they're trying to do you understand what I'm saying? So so what we're gonna do is we're gonna we want to help them with their library That means we're going to be asking for resources for all these different things. If if we do do the library, that's what they want us to do, then we're going to have Amazon have some stuff set up so that we know exactly what those books are. You can go on Amazon, buy them, they get shipped right to the school. And so we want to be able to get all of that set up. And if they need any repairs for the library, I would love for us to be able to be hands on deck to help build out and develop that, that, the program there. And hopefully they can have a system of searching that's funded by the school system so they can be able to search for those books within the framing of their library. Because we don't just want to give stats on uh, literacy in this neighborhood. That's easy to do. We can talk about the problems, but what we wanna do is we wanna actually impact actual lives by helping the literacy in our community to grow by making sure that they have access to the type of resources that help them to be educated. Since our company, and our, I mean, since our government can take $400 million away from the schools and add $800 million to building prisons, uh, uh, we, we wanna restore their dignity by saying, You're not, we're not raising you to go to prison, we're raising you to do what God has called you to do. Not only that, but we gotta repair the windows. Somebody say repair the windows. Yes. Amen, we wanna trick this building out. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, we want this building to be a luxurious atmosphere. Now I'm not talking about gold chandeliers or nothing, you know what, that ain't us. We ain't into all of that. We like nice things, but no, we, not, we not on some uppity fly ministry. But what we wanna do is we want this building to be an ironclad oasis of urban beauty. So that means we're going to start with the windows. We're going to get a lot of things done, but we're going one thing at a time, get all the windows done so we can do all of this gospel ministry to pump out all kinds of ministry to see lives change and transform as this becomes an urban epicenter for people to be developed and nurtured and being who God wants them to be. And so in order to do that, we have to be good stewards. Somebody say good stewards. So we're going to have to give to that. Amen. But then finally... Finally, we're doing our, um, our, our, start, our, our actual our, our, our Bandwidth Institute actually this fall. So that means we're actually starting it. So that means that we need, um, we, we can't use the computers that we have. I want to get the best type of computers that we can get because this is going to be a business training program. In this community, we have a lot of Korean businesses. We have a lot of Dominican businesses. We're not hating on anybody, Dominican or Korean. So please don't tell me, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not hating. Okay. I'm not hating on whites in the community who have businesses. Our issue is, is that the people from this community own very few businesses. So what we want to do is see Philadelphia, which is 45% African American, have a significant amount of black businesses. So instead of complaining about race and injustice all the time, we can invest in reversing it in the area of business development. So that means we're going to have cohorts of people go through the business training program. Um, And that means as they go through the business training program, we want to uh, help with startup capital for the business that does the best in its process of development through the bandwidth program. We'll pay that startup capital. As businesses go through our program, I would love to see. I would love by, 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 by 2050 to have 100 black businesses that come through this. And that be our contribution, but then I would love for those businesses to sow a portion of their business income back into the bandwidth program so that both ties and offerings and thank you offerings from those businesses come back into the bandwidth program to continue to, dis- to encourage comprehensive economic development and partnership with African-American businesses in this particular community and see God do that throughout the city and to see our role as the church why are we doing all this somebody's looking at me why are we doing all this because we're supposed to meet pressing needs in order that we may not be found unfruitful if we don't do anything we are unfruitful the bible does not teach just preach the gospel it does not teach that it does not teach just being sanctified in your soul it teaches that the gospel impacts every single area of your life And i will be doggone if we're gonna sit around here and watch pandemic brokenness happen around us and us not sow something into the stratosphere of all of those different things to see God work. And guess what? Ultimately, Jesus, um, in his death and resurrection, did a small thing in people's minds by dying. The most embarrassing, the most exposed, thing that anyone could ever do but little did they know that lonely man that died on that cross and that act that was met by thunderstorms and rain showers and abandonment and people who would dare pierce their god in the side on the third day he got up from the grave with all power in his hand and set a chain reaction in the universe by which first our souls would be saved and then eventually, based on Revelation 21, the heavens and the earth will burn with intense heat and everything will be recreated except for God's wrath and those who don't know him will be thrown into his lake of fire to experience his wrath forever. But those who know him will receive the fruits of the benefits of the resurrection through living on the new heavens and new earth because something so small on a cross by them piercing in his hands, piercing in his feet, piercing in his side became the biggest cataclysmic blessing that the universe could ever offer. And all I got to say to you today is are you ready to work? Are you ready to work? Hey man, every head bow, every eye closed. I know this was a vision presentation, but the gospel was yet very evident in it. What is the gospel? Gospel is a word, code word for good news. But in order for the news to be good, there had to be some bad that is overriding in order to make the good news actually good news. Bad news is all of us are born into sin. What does that mean? We're all born with the inability to make and meet God's standards. All of us. Somebody said, well, why? Why wouldn't he work on that? Well, he did, but actually we're the ones that messed it up. Adam did it, and we contributed to that in our everyday commitment to follow him in our sin. Yet God, being rich in kindness and mercy, sent Jesus sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That means that Jesus became our replacement. We were supposed to die, be separated from God. But instead of us dying and being separated from God, Jesus Christ died and experienced the sense of that reality himself. Like we always say, he did in six hours what it would have taken us of eternity in the lake of fire to do. On the third day, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. Guess what? So that if you believe in him, guess what? Your life finally has purpose. Why? Because it's connected to the manufacturer. God is not like manufacturers. If you buy something from Best Buy somewhere, it has a limited warranty on it. It's not covered. for. You got to pay for more warranty. But what's powerful about God is the warranty on you never ends. You get eternal life with him forever and ever and ever. And everything that's wrong with you. It's always under warranty to be fixed by the beauty of the power of God through Jesus Christ. If anyone in here wants God to fix their connection with him and bring them from spiritual death to spiritual life. He would love to do that. He would love to. Is there anyone here that says, I want to place my confidence in Jesus? Hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about what it means and what it looks like to go from spiritually being separated from God to being spiritually connected with God. Anyone today, anyone today. Best decision that you can make is to say yes to Jesus. What does it mean to say yes to Jesus? Say, God, I believe that Christ's death was applied to what I deserve to get. I deserve separation from you forever, but Christ, he came to reconnect us through his death and resurrection. Anyone here today? Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.